0: The rule is, if you're going to be in the room while we're recording the podcast, you got to be quiet.
1: Who? When did that become a rule? When Lucas is
0: away or he doesn't want to do it, we have John Tasker, friend of the show. This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Christian.
0: My name is Liam. And I'm John, friend of a show, here with another podcast that just talks about movies.
1: That's right. Uh, today, we are, going, we are coming to you live from your tear ducts, <laughs> deep inside of your tear ducts. Um, We are literally inside of you, in your ears and your eyes. Uh, Today we are sponsored by our patrons, which is our typical and usual sponsor. You'll hear more about them at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. Um, Yeah, so today we are talking about movies that make us cry. Um, So, you know, I like to cry. I don't know about you guys. Crying is cathartic. It is. uh, Anyway... This is kind of a disaster, as often. most shows usually are. I got notes. <laughs> Not even paying attention to them. Uh, these notes refer to crying. Anyway, uh, moving on to the ingestion. Liam, what do you got for us
0: today? <laughs> I'm starting. Okay. Um, I guess first things first, I'll talk about the, uh, what, uh, the things I did watch. Or the one thing I did. Because I forgot to talk about it last week, and I haven't really watched much as of late um i watched the first two episodes of his of a new season to his dark materials when they aired. yeah i haven't here. watched any more yet i've kind of fallen behind um overall i'm i'm pretty into it like uh i uh, was it i think of uh, the, the production continues to step up agree, and like yeah. uh just continue just and just continues to like well one i liked how much of this was clearly shot on location at least in a season of a second episode
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where
0: we're in like oxford and whatnot yeah also, I really like, uh, Ly- uh was it Lyra and, Bega- and Will together here? Like, I think the guy they plot, I was scared. I wasn't sure how they were going to work off each other given they didn't interact in the first season. But I think they work uh, really, really well together. I think I like. Great.
2: Yeah, they like, you know, held it off for a bit and they they did it really well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, uh, I like how, uh, uh, what is it? Like, it, as I've said before, it's been a long time since I've read the books, but I like how they haven't really lost the brattiness that Lyra kind of has. Which at times in my first season, I thought they did kind of forget a little bit. Like she's with the always note.
1: running. She's like Forrest Gump. She never stops I mean, like,
0: running. <laughs> like that little bit at, in the beginning of a second episode where she, where we're getting ready to go, and she wants to wear like a cape and like some hat, and yeah. it's like no, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, dress normal.
1: <laughs> um, dress inconspicuously. Sorry, not normal. Inconspicuously. John, um, have you
2: read the books? That's correction. I've not read the books, no. no. I haven't even seen, like, the Golden Compass. I've just watched the TV show, and yeah. I really like it. Same here. Um,
0: You know, I was going to say, I also really like uh, the— I talked with Christian a little bit about this off a show, but, uh, the, like, the physicist who uh, Lyra meets at uh, Oxford, I really liked who they got to play her. Mm-hmm. And, like, in the book, she comes back, and she plays a um a, a pretty major role. Yeah, cool. that's,
1: what I, that's what I've heard. I've heard she—I mean, I really enjoyed her. I thought she was pretty great, at least from what I saw, so.
0: No, my only real negative is still just Ruth Wilson still just doesn't seem to figure it, have it f- figured out.
1: I don't agree. I mean, I've never read the books, so I don't ha- really have any point of reference, but I like Mrs. Coulter, at least as a character. I think she's incredibly engaging, especially in the second season so far. Like, first season, she was kind of like, okay, we get it, you're evil. <laughs>
0: like I just think that's... Ruth Wilson always has, like, this overzealous pouty thing going on and like... That's because uh, of
1: all the Botox. Like, like stop shooting your face full of plastic and then you won't
2: look like that. There's also yeah. like, she just like, I think the evilness that you were talking about carries over to the second season even and there's always these lines where she's just like, I'm going to whisper this really.
1: That's just um, English why, actors. Why are you talking That's like how that? English actors are when they want to. Well, no, I mean, it's a shame.
0: Cause, like, <laughs> it's, it's also a shame because I'd seen her on, I liked her on Luther when she was there.
2: I also um, I didn't like Aaron Luther. I, Ruth Wilson hasn't really done it for me. Sorry, sorry, Ruth, if you in case you're listening. <laughs> yeah, um, in, in case this somehow gets.
1: Yeah, in case this show somehow gets past our four uh, our four subscribers and possibly even gets past the lack of advertising I do for this show, then <laughs> if she happens to see this some, one way or another, I'll put her in a hashtag in the episode, and then hopefully it'll get to her. But
2: I'd hate for her to be like a huge fan and like just dis- discover it and like get all this way. And then I think at this is, point like... she
1: would have heard it from like the last couple of like last what season when she when uh, we were talking about it. Like pretty sure she knows Liam doesn't like her and I do. So that's <laughs> um, fair. Yeah.
0: I was, uh, um, but that's the one thing I've really watched of uh, a big one uh, that I've really uh, gotten into recently is uh, about a few weeks ago I broke down and finally decided to buy a PS4 mainly because I wanted to play Spider-Man, and which COVID. I finally did. And COVID. Lockdowns. Yeah. <laughs> getting bored um, with that N64, hey, Liam? <laughs> uh, I mean, I have a lot of consoles, dude. I know you do. You're getting bored with them, so you got to upgrade. <laughs> no, I just don't have a lot of... I don't, can't really go out and buy a lot of vintage games right now.
1: Liam's like a Lewin Winell film. He needs to upgrade.
0: <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> that, was good, that was a good thing. Um, Cinefiles, uh, yeah, Cinefiles played,
1: out there, you get it?
0: <laughs> yeah, I finally played Spider-Man. Yeah. and uh i'm happy that i got to play it a little bit more removed from when like it was really all over the place because once it really came out everybody was immediately hailing it as uh the greatest spider-man thing that's ever been made in existence the and i was like
1: spider-man I'm a game
0: general. yeah i do <laughs> No, but i mean like people saying the biggest spider-man thing and whatnot and all of that where i'm like and whenever i start to hear things like that right when swing pops out a question like is it actually or are you guys just really high on an adre- on an adrenaline rush but you I've uh, now but now I've played it and uh yeah, it's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um it has probably the best uh voice character wise that I've ever heard for uh Peter Parker. One of the best. Like I really like the way he's characterized and the way uh Sasuke from uh, Naruto surprisingly voices him. Liam, did you play the remastered one? No.
1: Okay. Okay, good.
0: Good. Carry on. Yeah, no, uh, um, and also like it had a great i was actually surprised at how much i liked the, it, the way they uh, portrayed uh, doc ock because
1: mm-hmm.
0: i'm also not like as far as spider-man goes i like dr octopus fine but he's never really been one of my favorite villains um the closest i've ever come to really really liking doc ock is in a movie i don't like very much which is spider-man 2 it's the only doc ock we have isn't it no there are animated series there are comic books there are many things Liam, that were I, right meant,
1: I meant in like portrayals of like spider-verse yeah spider-verse okay you you fucking backed me into a
0: corner <laughs> <laughs> um like a but spider-man. like uh man uh my criticisms with it are minimal uh my main like in the sense that most of the criticisms i have are me things that don't really matter <laughs> like uh mainly the fact that i don't like the spider-man suit very much you or, can like, change the original it. design what?
1: You can change it. Yeah,
0: that's why I did. Okay, what'd you change it to? I'm curious. I just went to the classic Spider-Man costume. Oh, okay. Um, I think a lot of it is that, like, it's, this, it's the same problem I have whenever somebody tries to really redesign the Spider-Man suit, where I'm like, the reason the Spider-Man is as appealing as he is is because the design is so simple and fluid and graceful, and once you really start to add more onto it, it becomes... A little too over and also adding a bunch of white to an already red and blue costume seems a little america fuck yeah to me yeah um that's a good point um and uh the other and just some of the villains i wasn't crazy about the way they looked like i didn't really like the way electro looked very much
1: yeah um yeah the vulture looks weird <laughs>
0: yeah um but in regards to uh uh what do you call it like only real criticisms that really matter is but i agree that the mj missions kind of stop the game dead like i tolerated them fine but i'm like you should like they just they're not as engaging as they could be mm-hmm. um yeah. and I, also i don't I mind little-
1: i don't mind sleuthing and like stealth missions and video games but when it's an action-based video game and it just comes to a fucking halt i'm just
0: like okay you i really did just- like the one where she asked to direct spidey where to web people up or whatnot oh uh, yeah yep. yeah Where she's going yeah. through like uh what is it like the the big station in new york that escapes you at the moment grand uh, central yeah. yeah um and uh i uh, was it also i think i was more tolerating on him because this game actually made me like mary jane yeah because i've always been to the opinion that mary jane sucks even in the comics or like uh just anywhere i have never liked mary jane as a character but here they actually like uh was if they actually made me care a bit about what was going on. Um, okay. Yeah, and the only other real negative I have is that, oh again, yeah, me think... Game's a little too easy. Well, you can bump up the difficulty. Did you, Were you playing on normal? I was playing it on a hard.
1: Baloney. You suck at I video didn't. games. You are it fucking... No- I've seen you play video games, and you
0: fucking suck at yeah,
1: video games. Yeah, do you want to know
0: why I'm not good at them? You want to know why when we play? Because you're always yelling in my goddamn ear telling me That's what to not do. True. I'm like, just let me play the goddamn <laughs> Liam, game.
1: Liam, we're usually inebriated when we're playing video games. If yeah, ever, and that it contributes to it as well. It does not contribute to it.
0: <laughs> Being drunk and trying, and trying to drive? Yeah. Liam, I, yeah,
1: we don't do that to begin with. He's talking about <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. I want to make that very fucking clear right now.
0: Um... um you yeah, know, I did not about pretty much each level uh with the exception of maybe of the first one cuz I was getting used to the controls uh like the first Kingpin one and that's just co- but all the other ones like I would play I after about 3 attempts I would usually get it. Yeah. I liked
1: the Kingpin fights actually quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I mean I was really nervous when he showed up cuz I don't I've I've never really cared for Kingpin being a Spider-Man villain. Yeah. I've just like I'm like nah Daredevil, man, all the way. Yeah, for sure. Um but no overall I uh I'm very impressed with totally. it in fact it's uh uh best uh v- superhero game since Arkham City sure in fact, I think in some ways it might actually surpass Arkham City uh, but that a lot of that also comes from the uh was a progression in technology yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and uh, I started playing uh cyberpunk uh 2077 So you have to answer the question
1: you have to did you give him a huge fucking dong?
0: Oh, it's great to know I'm talking to a 12-year-old. Did but you? Inf- yeah. Our audience
1: wants yes. to know. You I did? don't
2: think they really care. There are other things to discuss. You of did? Course, no. I thought the same thing. I also gave him a big dick. Don't worry. <laughs> Sir? Okay, um, here,
1: but here's the real question. Which one of you cut and which one of you uncut? Like... Did you circumcise your cyberpunk character or did you... Jesus Christ. I did, I did not. You did not. Okay.
2: No. Damn. I'll, I'll um, match natural baby. <laughs> Liam? Um,
1: Liam?
0: I just left it how it was. I didn't even think of about much about beer.
2: Okay, that says a lot about. That's how it should be. I feel like. <laughs> you know, like yeah, and the fact that Austin Christians
0: oil. really getting into it right now really proves the opposite. But
1: I have had one beer so far, um, so that is that is telling you exactly where I'm at with the uh, with the show. So,
0: um, I was gonna say like uh, so uh, I guess the elephant in the room with this is the actual elephant in the room, um, <laughs> is um. I play. I've been playing it on PS4 because that's the one way I can. Yeah. Yes, there are glitches. However, they're not as overbearing as some have made them out to be. Yeah. At least where I'm at so far.
1: I also think that's console based. So you probably have you probably have most of your games as hard copies, right?
0: Yeah, I just ordered it off a PlayStation Store.
1: So it's one of the only games that you have on, actually physically on your console. Yes. Aside from Spider Man.
0: Uh, Spider Man, I bought a copy. Oh, okay, so um, but, this one I just bought off a store
1: and it's the only is it the only one that you have downloaded on your console?
0: Uh, I have GTA on there as well.
1: okay, so that's probably a contributing factor then is like yeah. it's not occupying a shitload of your your space on your I, I could be wrong I don't know anything about computers so uh, you know I'm, not I'm, gonna I'm gonna amazed I was able to figure play, this
0: out you know I'm not gonna talk too much about the game itself because I haven't played a whole lot a whole lot so far. I will say uh, that uh, the world design and all of that, and all of the options they give, are incredible, and everybody deserves a pat on the back for that. Like the re- and also just the reason I went for the game is because I love pretty much anything cyberpunk. As soon as I hear cyberpunk, I'm pretty into it. Like from growing up w- watching Blade Runner, Batman Beyond, and reading the works of Neil Stevenson. Um, so like uh, pretty, so as soon as I heard that concept, I was like, "Yep, I'm in." Yeah. Um. So, but the big thing with this is. Again, I've got to talk about like the controversy surrounding it. The big noggs. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um which is um the glitches and uh so yes, they are, there are some, but I have a few I have two theories as to what's going on. And actually, I think it might be both. But more I think about it, it might be both. Which is um there's the whole thing that like the game wasn't finished and they put it out just to uh fill a release, which I'm like, yeah. Probably. Yeah. But the big thing is that with the whole console thing, is that I feel like PlayStation and uh, Xbox are really playing into that right now as a way to try and convince people to upgrade to new consoles.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's pl- like planned obsolescence in a way. It's just like forcing people to upgrade when they don't need to.
0: Yeah, that's w- that's what I suspect is go is going on here, the big one.
2: like, because a lot you, of Do is you also... think
1: the developers of that game would let that happen though? Uh well There's given so that involved. they have
2: what isn't Sony one of the like developers? Not developers, but like, aren't they selling the game themselves? Yeah, well,
1: because well, they have just a publisher, invent- so it's it's on a it's on pretty much every single console except for Switch.
0: I mean, they are a shareholder in that, so they do have to fill that if they want their game to get out there. Either that, if they want their game to get console releases, or it'll just go straight to PC, which uh a lot of times can be the, which can be the kiss of death for a lot of games. Yeah. um but like that's what I that's the, the big thing of like uh, them really playing into it is
2: what I think is really going on here sure
1: sure I, I wouldn't put it past them honestly
2: maybe it also could just be crap because they've just done a crap job and then released <laughs> it too early yeah but well, kinda I mean,
0: kind of forced it. I mean kind I'm not sure too, about they're, they're, that because they've been it's been worked on for seven years now
1: yeah and they were trying to and make like, the put, best game they possibly could and then it's they also were, huge yeah and then they, and then it was forced by the fans and then like what what like what else are you gonna do? Like, okay, they want it, so we have to do it, and also Christmas, so like gotta put it out there. And now everyone's all like, You put it out too early. It's like you fucking asked for it.
0: That's a good yeah, point. And, yeah, no, I the fan reaction uh, was it the fan reaction is definitely contributing to it, which is why I get so annoyed when part of why I don't really talk about games on this show is because one, I'm not a video game critic, I'm a film critic. And uh, there's all, and also there's the fact.
1: Liam McGinnis, oh, um, film critic. (laughs) I had to make sure my hand was going the right way. um, Oh man, it froze on John, and it looks like he's dead. Do you see that, Liam?
0: Yes, it's pretty funny. Oh, there he is. Um, but what I was saying is that, like, I was it is that I'm not a video game critic. My special, my speciality when it comes to criticism is mainly film. Um. So, and also there's the fact that I hate gamer culture so much and like just the toxicity that comes with it, that I don't want to, that whenever I talk about it and just how notorious game culture is, is something I don't want to involve myself in. Okay. But like, since those are the only things I really did this past week, those are what I'm going to talk about. Anyhow, who's next?
1: man we got sassy liam on the show today everybody john because awesome. you're pissing me off it. what how the fuck <laughs> am i pissing off because i asked what 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 how big of a penis you gave your character in cyberpunk 2077 john go ahead please you're
0: doing what my grandpa used to call talking to hear yourself talk no
1: i'm not i'm playing the game liam <laughs> the game is podcast host <laughs> it's a good it's a good one go ahead john
2: hmm well, like i said um i gave my character a big dick um <laughs> it's really <laughs> it stepped it up a notch sorry <laughs> um what i can okay i will also start with something that i forgot last week if that's okay yeah. um i watched klaus a little while ago um i and still have not seen oh gosh i uh, delightful a little delightful film um really my only like criticism with it is like i don't know why every animated movie has to have like that one pop song that shows up like in the middle. And then also it's just, it's like during a montage and it's just this annoying, I don't even know who it's by. I didn't, I didn't look into it, but. I don't remember that. Well then I've, I don't know, maybe I'm just overreacting. Um, But otherwise really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was cute. I thought JK Simmons did a great job. Um, Even Jason Schwartzman is
1: really good too.
2: That's true. Yeah. Yes. I know
0: oh. that this film was also made directed by one of the people who created despicable me. And he said that this was an apology for the minions.
2: <laughs> oh, well, apology accepted. I'd say I've not seen the minions specifically. So
0: yeah. I don't know. Remember when we had to due to uh, one circumstance, we had to watch that really shitty minion short before a movie. And we were just like,
2: God, make it stop. I probably blocked it out. And I, <laughs> I hardly remember. which says more of words could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, Liam, I think you should watch it, especially around now, the holidays. Yeah, have you it's not quite... seen it, Liam? I haven't seen it yet.
0: Oh, it's fucking re- great. <laughs> I heard, I wanted to watch it last year. I just didn't get around to it. Oh. I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, uh the guy who uh, did our uh, in- our intro music um said that um he that after he watched it, it's the movie that uh changed his mind on uh not telling his kids about Santa Claus if he has them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: It, I, I really do appreciate the, the way they go with the idea of Santa Claus and like what it means to people and the magic of Christmas overall. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh,
1: like Liam said though, just to hit that on the head, uh, big shout out to Uriah. Um, if you haven't heard our, or paid any attention to our theme song, uh, it's pretty good. So big shout out to
2: Uriah. Anyway, sorry, John, go ahead. No worries. Um, so yeah, that, that was last week. Um, I watched The Prom recently, which if you're not aware is... I
1: thought it wasn't out until
2: January. Oh, I, it's oh. out. I haven't heard of this thing at all. The, the one with Meryl Streep? Yeah. The Ryan Murphy movie? The Ryan Murphy movie, yes. Um, I, this was one that was recommended to uh, me and my girlfriend by uh, my sister, um, who mostly recommended it to my girlfriend. But um, as soon as I saw Ryan Murphy's name... I was like, oh, okay, we're definitely in for it. And um, Glee. It's a Glee. Glee. <laughs> I mean, like Glee and also everything else. Like, he makes actually so much stuff. Yeah. And a lot of it is so the same to me. Like, the I atmosphere. Mean, the
0: I like the first little bit of American Horror Story. And I've seen the first season of American Crime Story, and I liked that. I yeah, those no two clue.
2: Those two are pretty good. We, I watched Ratchet also recently, and it's like, it's okay. But, um, the prom is a hot trash it's very bad um yeah um i i'm sorry to say like the every musical number was like extremely heavy-handed with its message which so like glee fine because like it's the movie is about calling out like liberal culture and the idea of like oh do you actually care about this cause or are you doing it for your own image but it doesn't like go all the way and it doesn't realize when it's also like unintentionally like making fun of itself there's an entire song that is like dedicated to being like oh it's this too on the nose they're talking about collectiveness and no bigotry and all that but every single song is like that so i don't know why they're calling out that one i the okay there is one takeaway though um and it's that is it okay if i spoil the prom for you guys yeah i don't care <laughs> i don't care um meryl streep and uh, keegan michael key have a romantic relationship with one another and it's it's one of the better parts of the movie if, if i may I really what a
0: strange it. pair of <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: i know and then like kind of works also in- can meryl
0: streep still not sing
2: um yes <laughs> but the whole I didn't really mind honestly because yeah, I've Meryl. seen
0: Mama Mia and she sounds like a parrot choking on choking on noodles. Here we go noodles. again.
1: Here we go again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh and uh she was also her, her singing voice was also uh, pretty uh, bad in yeah. the woods.
1: Yeah. Well, let John catch up there for a second.
2: Yeah, I've not seen either of those, but I can contest she wasn't very good, but also everyone sucked. Um and yeah, that's all I really have to say about that um my other two that i uh ingested were um were video games the first one um super mario 64 um i got the 3d all-star on the on the switch oh, recently I'm so sorry um and pardon me
1: i'm so sorry <laughs> i'm so sorry you're putting yourself oh, through super mario sunshine out. Well, <laughs>
2: Carry I up. didn't. I actually skip it. Oh, okay, if I'm honest, we have a little bit of lag here, order. John. So I feel um, like we
1: have to give you a little bit of
2: space. But sorry about that. No, my okay. internet is not very good. <laughs> um, hopefully it picks up soon. Um, regardless, Super Mario 64 was a game that uh, has been in my life forever. Um, I've always had an N64, and I've never gotten the whole like 120 stars in my life. It's evaded me forever. Um, and uh, and I did it i finally did it nice and Congratulations. i got under the castle and thank you and yoshi's there and it's all great um so that was just a very nostalgic moment for me um and then until dawn the video game i don't know if either of you have heard of it yeah uh,
0: my buddy uh my buddy uh old ale's a really big
2: fan yeah uh it's the second time that i uh have played through it and it is super solid because
1: it's like a virtual, um, it's like a movie, right? It's in like the same vein as like Blood Rain, or not Blood Rain, uh, Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain. Yeah, Detroit yeah. Become Human, like that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, it's like you you pick your own way to go. And in terms of those types of games, this one handles it really well. Like it's one of the best that I've played of those. Um, for And like at least the first two acts of it are like pretty fucking solid for me. Yeah. Third act kind of drops off a bit, but... That happens in a lot of things, um, especially and yeah, that, way too much in recent years. Mm-hmm. Yes, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, still, still really enjoyed it. So that that was my my experience. Nice. That's it, John. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm just making sure it's my turn to uh, fill the dead air, <laughs> the space Sorry. between. No, the space between John's uh, upload and download. Um, so I have a lot of shit to get through here, okay? A lot of things. We're going to start with video games because you both kind of talked about video games. So I am uh, playing a game called Balloons Adventure Time. You guys familiar with the Balloons series? No? The the Balloons Tower Defense? No? Um, it's a tower defense game where you pop balloons, but they made one with Adventure Time characters, and it's pretty entertaining. It's a good just like put it on the background, not think about things. Um, and just watch balloons pop as Finn hits them with a sword. Pretty entertaining. That one is a kind of a bullshit throwaway thing. The other two that I'm actually playing that I'm paying more attention to, uh, the first one being Fallout New Vegas. Uh, so I'm replaying did you ba-
0: talk about that one last week? I don't know if I did, did I? Yes.
1: Oh, still playing it. Okay, moving on. Uh, next one is uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, so I managed to pick a, pick up a copy of that on the Steam sale, and it's fine. I'm not going to rant a lot about it because I know a lot of people that really enjoy it. Um, It's a fun platformer. I'll tell you that. It is a fun platformer. It is needlessly difficult at times. Um, I'm playing it on story mode because I don't like when a game fucks me over that hard. I don't (laughs) see the point. I don't see the point in, in putting yourself through torture and frustrating yourself just to get an experience like that. I find it incredibly infuriating and disrespectful to a video game player. Um if you're into that sort of thing, then good for you. Like I, I if that's what you like, then good, right on. You have a little bit more patience than I do when it comes to video games, but I like story and I like paying attention to what's going on there. The story itself is fine. <clears throat> it's nothing to write home about, especially in terms of Star Wars. Um I'm I'm done with Star Wars anyway at this point. I think this will be like one of my last Star Wars experiences. Uh, in for a long time uh, just considering sure. all the stuff that got released recently
0: and all the or the announcements that were made uh, i'm in the same boat as christian as i've told him that like i've said to a few people may think i've gone mad where i've said i don't think i like star wars anymore there's just too much of it it's done let it let it silence
1: itself for just a couple and, of years like Li- liam isn't... has made a very good point to me a couple times is that the best thing about star wars was that you only got it every couple of years Right. It was like having a treat at the end of at the end of, you know, Halloween comes once a year. Right. Yeah. And and you get to have those treats like periodically. It's not like I don't want to be suffocated with Star Wars. I just don't see the I I don't understand. It's too much. It's marketing. It's commercialism.
0: It's just capitalism. It's also with Star Wars. I've told this to uh, people. The big reason that I've fallen into is because like. You know, oh, like Star Wars has not been giving me anything I want from it or from pretty much anything or from what I would want to see in any movie or franchise. It's just not giving me any of that. So I'm like, why continue at this point if I'm not if I'm just gonna be continue to be disappointed, especially when there's so many other interesting universes out there that I haven't dipped myself into yeah. but I could potentially find new. Agreed.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Anyway Jedi Fallen Order when you play it on story mode you feel like a Jedi and you get to kick ass and it's super fun in that regard. It's a good hack and slash uh, and in that in that way and also a good platformer and um, although Cameron Monaghan does not belong in Star Wars. He does not belong his face his acting style his the jokes that they write for him aren't funny and just like his performance isn't that great. Does um, Camford Monahan, Monahan, Monahan even really
0: fit anywhere? He fits in Shameless. It's good yeah, because I remember watching. I remember watching him on watching his, a few of his episodes on Gotham, and I'm like, "Wow, dude, you were really just." Yeah. Ugh. Um.
1: Also, one thing is that the the game opens with like a, a drone shot, like drone ish shot, like coming in on. He's a scrapper. He works in scrap, like a scrap planet, He's scrapping some stuff, and. the music's like swelling and it's really really cool and then it comes in on him and he takes off a set of headphones and I was like there's fucking headphones in Star Wars? Ava's glasses (laughs) in Star Wars too. I'm okay with glasses glasses make sense. (laughs) Only because you wear glasses I'm wearing headphones right now does that no um you're wearing headphones fuck off John's wearing both too anyway headphones I get it when it's a helmet when you're wearing a helmet and it's a communication device that makes sense (laughs) Where am I? Liam's wearing glasses. Everybody at home is listening. Um, I'm a fake hipster. Liam, you are Yikes. a fucking hipster. Um, but headphones. I just I could I, and I was like, I'm not going to like this. I'm not. Gonna, I was like 30 seconds of the game and I was like, I'm not going to fucking like this. And then I got a little further and I was like, oh, OK, I get it. This is fun. This is it's a, like I think I'm still going to beat it. I'm going to play through it. But I'm not. It's not really
0: like tickling
1: any of my Star Wars boners at this moment.
0: Um, well, your Star Wars is limp, dude. Oh, it's as we established earlier. Yes. <clears throat>
1: Uh, another thing that I listened to was uh, Taylor Swift's new album, Ever, album Evermore. Uh, is
0: it more in continuous proof that Taylor Swift is never going to actually grow up as a person? Liam,
1: you can shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> uh, she has proven time and time again that she is an uh, mature song singer songwriter. Look what you made
0: me do the COVID songs.
1: Liam, all of the songs off of Lover are fucking fantastic. All the songs on folklore aren't great, some <laughs> of them are pretty good um but the there the thing is so i'm gonna get into some swiftyisms here, so just st- bear with me um folklore isn't great there are a couple. there are more songs on folklore that are fucking bangers they're great betty great song a couple other songs great the one great song um consistently though throughout there's like it doesn't feel cohesive. Evermore, on the other hand, has less good songs but feels more cohesive. I will also say that this first song, "Willow," is a fucking banger, <laughs> and everybody should go check it out because it fucking hits. And great, I'm not going to. You should anyway, Liam. Uh, Liam's, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, ch- check it out. So there we go. There's uh, Christians Taylor Swift. Uh, as soon as an album comes out, you, you're bound to hear hear about it on the Thundercast. Uh, in terms of things that I've seen, though, um. I watched the, the, the Netflix movie slash short film, uh, If Anything Happens, I Love You. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Uh, it's a, uh, I don't have Netflix I, anymore. I did so.
2: actually watch that. I forgot I watched that.
1: Yeah, it's an animated film, and holy shit. <laughs> I have seen some sad things before. Wow. It is very, very, very powerful. It is... I, I can't even really, like, explain it. Um, Liam, you should watch it, because it's 12 minutes. It is so worth your time. It is incredibly well animated, and the story is just
0: gut-wrenching. I don't want to say anything about it. I am a sucker for a good short film, especially when it's animated, so... I, I'm not,
1: I am not going to spoil it at all, because you need to watch it to get the full breadth of what's going on. Um... Anyway, that I've wanted to mention that because I think it's a very important thing for people to watch, uh, oddly enough, on Netflix. Uh, on that note, another thing that I did watch... Actually, it's funny. I watch most of these things on Netflix. Um, the other one was I watched is Eurovision, uh, the Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams film. It was okay. Oh God, why? It was okay. It's um, Will Ferrell. It was okay. It's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but it was pretty okay.
0: Um... Yeah, and I'm assuming Rachel was good and Will was... well. Quite the opposite. <laughs> Rachel McAdams
1: is doing this weird... They're both doing weird Icelandic uh, accents, but um, Will Ferrell does a much better job of perioding... Perioding... parodying Perioding. Parodying, p- p- parody, perioding p- p- <laughs> um, of a platypus? Yes. Uh, the, the, the concept of just like... Uh, of that sort of like area of the world. Um Anyway, some of the songs are really cool and really fun. And uh, I will say one thing, though, is that it's an an hour too long. Uh, The movie is one hour and 12 minutes. I'm sorry, two hours and 12 minutes. It is. (laughs) I I know, I know. That's not what I meant. It's, It's two hours and 12 minutes. It's an hour too long. It really did not mean to be that long, but the final song at the end is really, really good, and I really, really liked it. Also, Pierce Brosnan is in it, and he's... He's not not in it very much, but when he is there, he's present, and he's not just like a potato
0: with a gun like he was in James Bond. Actually, I I don't hate Brosnan <clears throat> as Bond. I know nothing about he's it. He's one of our least, He's one of my least favorite Bonds, but he's not the one I hate the most. Who is that? Uh, probably, I think my least favorite Bond, as much as I did enjoy some of the films, was Roger Moore. Sure.
1: Welcome to the Roger Moore podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, the last thing that I did watch. Uh that oh two things, but one thing is more relevant than the other. Uh is I watched uh Alien Xmas. It's also a short film. It's a, it's in the same style as like the Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer, so it's a stop motion film. Uh it's based off of a, a kid's book um that came out a couple of years ago and it's a Christmas movie, obviously. And it's about these aliens or this alien, uh, who's a part of a uh race of aliens called the Kleps and they like to steal shit. Uh that's their whole thing like kleptomaniac. <laughs> so they like to steal stuff and then they come to earth to steal everything, but it's that it's Christmas Eve and they happen to land on in the North Pole and this little alien um named X uh this elf girl gets him as like a toy and they build this beautiful friendship and it's very cute. Um it was produced by John Favreau, so that's another thing that's that maybe is a selling point. However, It's nothing to write home about, but it is one of the reviews I read for it on Wikipedia said uh, it's a great time waster. And I was like, I agree. (laughs) That was a good way to waste 42 minutes. You know, like it was a really good way to watch or just, you know, enjoy 42 minutes of Christmas and uh yeah i really enjoyed it Then the last thing i watched uh virtually online as part of a group that i have started which is called movie pals no you cannot have an invite uh, um uh, we watched die hard uh, and uh it was great i don't know Liam, Greatest i don't Christmas know how you movie felt. Ever made. How did you feel watching that as like a virtual online experience um
0: i mean like uh i was just happy that i got to watch die hard with a group of people again in some capacity ever since cuz ever since uh disney has bought fox they've made that almost impossible yeah or like like they've banned screenings or whatnot i think the last one i went to was in like uh 2007 or 2017 sorry yeah yeah 2017 and like and those were always so fun it was like a year it was like a christmas tradition i would go down to the plaza i would drink some rum and eggnog and watch die hard and i was like well i got i mean at home and by myself but it was with a group of people and i was just a bunch of friends so i was like yeah, I mean, it kind of filled a little bit of a void but I was missing. I
1: agree. I had a lot of fun, too. And, uh, we watched it over Discord, um, so it was a little laggy, and like maybe the quality wasn't the best, but we all could like chat and talk about the movie and hang out, so it was better for people who had seen it. Um, if you hadn't seen it, it was probably not a great way to watch Die Hard the first time, but uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was a really fun little experiment, and it's something that we're going to keep doing um so yeah that is my ingestion for this since it's week. still
0: christmas next time can we do lethal weapon is lethal weapon a christmas movie yep shane blacks that's almost all of his movies at christmas in fact uh Why? one thing i would recommend is an excellent <laughs> video essay by patrick willems where he gets into that are we going right into
1: recommendations i was ready to talk about the news but i'm we can do recommendations
0: i think we should just hammer that out really uh, recommendations out really quick is that yours liam
1: is that your recommendation for this? Uh, week?
0: No, I just thought it was a fun transition. Okay, but but if you want me to talk and gush about Shane Black, I will. I know you don't, so I won't. Now what's your recommendation? God damn it! Um, I would. I am recommending a documentary on a. Uh, uh, what is it? A uh, interesting figure who's throughout Hollywood and at least since New Age, and that's a little documentary called Dreams with Sharp Teeth. Oh. Um, and it's about uh the life and uh, career of uh. Uh, screenwriter and film critic Harlan Ellison. Mm, okay. So in case you don't know, Harlan Ellison was a uh, novelist uh, and a, again, a screenwriter back in like the sixties when he got his start. He wrote what uh, uh city at the edge of at the edge of forever, which is uh, uh, one of the most famous star Trek episodes. Um, he also uh, wrote a number of short stories, one of which uh, became the inspiration for Terminator. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, essentially like uh. uh Uh, was it Harlan Ellison has always been fascinating because like I've always had mad respect for the man because he has just spoken his mind and stand firm stood firm completely with what he believed in and was never afraid to tell somebody if they he thought their opinion was bullshit um he um did uh in fact uh one of the most interesting things about him is that um and these are two things that I don't agree with him on but he made really interesting points about them which is uh he didn't like Star Wars when it came out in fact, he was one of the only people to uh get a negative review of Star Wars out published. Um and he didn't like and he also did not like Back to the Future. Um yeah, and again, wrong. I've read his re- I've read his reviews and I don't really agree with them, but damn man, you've made some re- uh, was it some interesting arguments. Yeah. And I think it's important to uh have people out there. like Harlan Ellison passed away a few years ago, but to have figures like that who will like go against the grain and say what they actually think cuz otherwise like if everybody was just discussing film the same way or whatnot, would there be any reason to discuss it? Yeah. And also like, why would I just want to listen to a film critic? Who's just going to reinforce my own thoughts already.
1: Don't you re-listen to episodes of the Thundercast though?
0: I mean, mainly (laughs) just because it gives me something fun to reminisce about with my friends. That's a whole other thing, dude. Still a good burn. I don't know. (laughs) Not really. It's not really a good burn when you have to reinstate. Say it was a great burn after you supposedly made said great burn. <laughs> um, oh, also uh, one more uh, fun fact about uh, from Dreams with Sharp Teeth about uh, Harlan Ellison, which is I mentioned that uh, one of his short stories became the um, inspiration for Terminator, and there's actually a famous uh, interview. Uh, James Cameron did a Playboy uh, an interview in Playboy about Terminator where he made reference to saying, like, oh, you know, kind of jokingly, he's like, I ripped off uh, some of Harlan Ellison's old, uh, one of Harlan Ellison's old books called, uh, I Have No Mouth and I- So I Must Scream. Um, and uh, Harlan Ellison got his hands on a copy of that interview and sued James Cameron, <laughs> and that is why now Harlan Ellison is credited in all copies of any rendition of Terminator. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, cool. But, yeah, that's what I will recommend.
1: John, what do you got for us? Um,
2: Am I only allowed one thing? Can I have two things? Are you going to, yeah, recommend, right Cool. Well, my first one is um uh, I'm only two seasons into the full four-season run. Um, it's called Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, yeah. um, I recommend it because it's um, one of the few things that um, I watch that's not like as mainstream as other things. I don't think a lot of um, people have heard about it. If you're interested in the computers uh, and like see uh pcs in the age of uh them really coming up in like the 80s and stuff and like just innovative ideas on how to communicate and stuff by people who you know are considered losers and you want to um, see how hot lee is? <laughs> he is oh god he's so hot though he's like so hot <laughs> in the show i can't i can't deny that um uh but yeah and I also appreciate how like they they do take their into acknowledge um the like the female character roles in it because it really like everything is just like a man's world but like they're they're focusing a lot on that aspect as well which I really appreciate um my other thing to recommend um if anyone hasn't watched it is Schitt's Creek um which is Canadian of course um and uh in terms of sitcoms, um, the co-creator Dan Levy—if um, that's how you pronounce it—I have it's no Levy. idea. Levy. Um, it, it is Levy. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, Levy, like he—he he really appreciates like the nature of sitcoms and how to how to like properly modernize it. I don't really. I don't really know it's just like it's it's very refreshing to see characters in sitcoms actually communicate with each other and to not um build plots of episodes solely around like a miscommunication that could be easily resolved um the characters like grow in a lot of ways that you don't see in traditional sitcoms um and yeah overall it's hilarious and very heartwarming and i really appreciate it nice so give give either of those a watch will
1: do uh my recommendation for this week uh considering uh our province has some pretty uh i wouldn't say harsh because it's not harsh uh but we are in a lockdown kind of not even. We're at a stay-home order, and even then, people don't give a shit about it. So, uh, But if you do give a shit about it and you care about your fellow, fellow person and you want to actually screw them over in a digital realm, I suggest you play colonist.io. I'm pretty sure I've recommended it in the past. If you like Settlers of Catan, uh, you can play Settlers of Catan for free with up to three other friends on uh, the computer. It's a very for, good time.
0: I love it second, so fucking I've... much. For a second I thought you were gonna recommend the Instagram page of Mr. Alberto Leftist. No, 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 no. <laughs> follow literally I actually... follow
1: literally Noam Chomsky on, on Instagram. Yeah,
0: I was like just thinking like, oh god, he's he's not gonna uh, he's not gonna do it. He's not gonna do it. <laughs> oh, also, since you brought him up, last week we had was Noam Chomsky Day. It was Noam Chomsky Day. Yeah. Noam Chomsky, from what I understand now, is uh 91 years old. And he's still kicking it, isn't he?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good for him. Um, But yeah, colonist.io. I play it with my friends. We have a tournament, kind of. We play through seasons, so whoever has the highest average has to buy everybody beer at the end of the season. So um, that's always a good time. Anyway, that has been our recommendations for this week. Um, I think we're going to do some news, but the news we're going to hold off for our Patreon. Um, so we're going to talk about the news at the, uh, the in our break here but you're more than welcome to go and join us at uh, patreon.com to hear our takes our hot takes and all that stuff um, for now um, that has been the ingestion and our recommendations for this week we will be right back
0: fuck god <laughs>
1: I yeah, actually
2: hate all that shit in real life so fuck it marriage was created by fools for fools you're the fool
1: yeah and fuck Jesus
2: I <laughs> <where> that came
1: <laughs>
2: um, did... it's still fair I don't know <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome back to the Thundercast. Uh, today we are talking about movies and other things that make us cry. Um, we don't have an emotional song. You're still probably hearing uh, the, the theme song of the Thundercast over top of this. So uh, not really a, a sad song. Um, In the arms of an angel. <laughs> all right, cut it there. Cut it there. Cut it there. <laughs> we don't, I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to pay it. Uh, Sarah McLachlan <laughs> does not deserve my money. Um. Uh, well, maybe she <laughs> does. I don't know. I like that song. Everybody, go stream that song on Spotify or something. Anyway, um. So today we, like I said, we are talking about uh, movies and media that make us cry and
0: why it makes us cry.
1: Now to start things out, these notes that I presented at the beginning of the episode are going to come in uh, in uh, relevant
0: right now. As long as it doesn't turn into Christian's Midsummer Podcast again, then we're good. Nah,
1: it's Christian's Crying Podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I do have a couple things that uh, I want to mention. So uh,
2: I googled, why do we cry?
1: So right. do, you, do you guys have any idea why we cry? Any idea? I assume it's
2: a release, a release of pent up emotion.
1: Right. So here's the thing. Scientists don't get it. They don't really understand why we cry. Like, like um, evolution wise, it's just not a thing. That's like really super known. Um, one thing that I, I, uh, I, so this is all from a time article, by the way, just so everybody knows uh, aside from the other thing. But, Uh, Charles Darwin once declared emotional tears purposeless and nearly 150 years later, emotional crying remains one of the human body's more confounding mysteries. Um, Though some species, some other species shed tears reflectively as a result of pain or irritations, uh, humans are the only creatures whose tears can be triggered by their feelings. In babies, tears have the obvious and crucial role of soliciting attention and care from adults. But what about grown-ups? Grown-ups? (laughs) Grown-ups. That, that's less clear. By some calculations, people have been speculating about where tears come from and why humans shed them since about 1500 BC. For centuries, people thought tears originated in the heart. The Old Testament describes tears as the byproduct of when the heart's material weakens and turns into water. Later, in the Hippocrates time, it was thought that the mind was the trigger for tears. A prevailing theory in the 1600s held that emotions, especially love, heated the heart, which generated water vapor in order to cool itself down. The heat, the heart vapor would then rise to the head, condense, and near the eyes and escape as tears. Doesn't that blow your fucking mind?
2: <laughs> I've never heard of that.
1: I have one more thing. Uh, Idiots. Tears also show others um, that were vulnerable, and their vulnerability is, cr- is critical to human connection. The same neural areas of the brain are activated by seeing someone emotionally aroused as being emotionally aroused oneself. Uh, says Trimble, a professor uh, at the University College London. There must have been some point in time, evolutionarily, when the tear became something that automatically set off empathy and compassion in another. Actually being able to cry emotionally and being able to respond to that is a very important part of being a human being. So, um, one thing that I did wanna mention before we get into this is uh, if you think what we're gonna talk about is uh, whiny baby shit, then you can fucking go home because crying is totally fine. And, and and I I say that with the with the heaviest of fists because if you think the three of us are emasculating ourselves by talking about why we cry at movies, then you can go fuck yourself. Like <laughs> you yeah, go no, you can like go cry. Like, um uh, like, because... I will
0: say that like it is hard to get me to cry in a movie, but that's for my own reasons. I have no I was it like I acknowledge that crying is hel- is a very healthy and important thing to do and anybody who doesn't agree is a toxically masculine douchebag.
1: Agreed. Crying is a total normal part of human existence and being able to recognize that especially as a as a Male identifying person is is a really important thing to reject your masculinity because what it does is it just shows that you're willing to be empathetic towards others and be empathetic towards yourself. And uh, I also read this earlier to Liam when when before they started the show, but um, it says take pride in your tears as there's evidence crying during movies has a number of hidden benefits and can make us more empathetic sociable and generous. Empathy is a vital aspect of emotional intelligence, an ability prominent among great leaders and highly successful individuals. So being able to be empathetic provi- uh, promotes um intelligence, it promotes uh, emotional intelligence, physical intelligence, sorry, uh, intellectual intelligence. Um anyway, um I cried it inside out. I don't know about you guys. <laughs>
0: uh yes oh, one, of my,
2: one of the things on my list is pixar question mark because like, I someone's got to bring it up most
0: yeah. uh pixar movies i've come close i don't know if i got it all the way like an in inside out i came close like i think i maybe got a little watery eyed but it but it never manifested into tears but yeah i came pretty damn close there yeah um, yeah i i think so i want to ask you guys like
1: because i uh, liam you were saying you you don't often cry when you watch movies and and we've discussed this like as to why look at us we're we're we're, we're having a couple drinks and talking about crying
0: <laughs> christian used to say it's because quote i'm an emotionless robot who doesn't understand human emotion that is a no a, nope not a fact <laughs> it's because you know
1: I, I think part of it liam is also just like reservations and not wanting to cry in a movie theater i don't have any of those reservations
0: i'll do it um that's not really it it's more so just the whole thing of like uh Given that, like, it has to be something that really, really inspired me or really, really hit it home for me. And given I have a reputation for already being, quote, too tough on media, yeah. Um, it's, uh, that could probably play a factor into it. Cause I will say that coming off with of my list was a challenge. So give us one.
1: I want to, yeah, if you want to start um, us off, Liam. I mean, we uh, already started off with Pixar, but we'll probably going to come back around on it.
0: But, um, I was going to say this one, and maybe this contributes to why it's one of my favorite movies of all time, but, pan's labyrinth i knew it was gonna Mm. happen yeah i knew it was gonna come up yeah pan's labyrinth is a movie where whenever i watch it it just it's like somebody took the fawn's horn and just started jabbing (laughs) it into my chest um yeah what is it about pan's labyrinth
1: i'm having wicked deja vu right now i
0: think i had a dream where we talked we did this podcast um i think it's because well one not only because like uh uh, the way the movie ends or whatnot, but it was also the fact that Pan's Labyrinth is, I stand by probably the most beautiful film I've ever seen in my life because as horrowing and and heartbreaking and sad, just upsetting as that movie is, I get so much inspiration. And uh, was it from the fact that like, no matter how awful things got, the people who we followed, Ophelia, Mercedes, or any of like the rebels, they never, get, they never fell into despair and they never gave up hope. Mm-hmm. And to be, and I find that very inspiring how like, and just also what it says about like how storytelling and whatnot and like just fairy tales can help us through even the darkest times of our existence. Just that whole thought. I just find truly, truly beautiful. Yeah. And on top of that, I was so emotionally invested in everybody that was going on that to see wherever, to see wherever journeys end, it was just like almost like a sigh of relief.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And and building off of what you're saying and, and going off of, um, even World War, because World War Two, right?
0: It wasn't. It was the Spanish Civil War. Spanish Civil War, uh,
1: but still, um, war related in a way. And you know what I'm going to mention right now, Liam? You absolutely know what I'm going to mention, don't you? Yeah. What is it? What am I going to mention? War. <laughs> what is it good for? Honestly, absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, no. Uh, life is beautiful. Uh, yep. Oh uh,
0: yeah. Which... That one. Uh... So when I first saw, I feel like I've only seen Life is Beautiful once. Me too. And I did like it a, I did like it a lot. That was one where I don't, I recall, I think I did when I saw it, but it was also like uh, I also watched it like probably about almost ten years ago.
1: I, so I like uh, I can't anything.
0: really recall.
1: Yeah, I think I saw it in about 2012, maybe 2011. Um, but like Liam was mentioning with um with Pan's Labyrinth and just like how harrowing the 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 story is and how you follow these people going through something um that's tragic, so incredibly tragic, and how they try to deal with it in in new and interesting ways, but also just try to get through the the pain and the turmoil is just is very beautiful to watch, but also very heartbreaking. And well, the reason I say uh, that, oh, hold on, I was almost finished. Um, is that half of the movie is not about World War II, is not about the Holocaust. It's almost like a rom com. Yeah, the first half of that movie is a rom com. It's a very beautifully told mm-hmm. love story. And then guess what? The Holocaust happens, and it and, just uh, it and it comes just like as it probably would have for a lot of those people who weren't expecting it. Kind of just blindsides them, and they're thrown like, into this this very terrible, terrible, terrible thing. Um, and the father trying his best to show his child and make it a game is like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, if we do— <laughs> Why, if Am Liz, I going to fucking we, cry uh, on this episode? I am going to cry on this episode.
0: If we keep this together, like, he tells his son, like, if you could keep this together or whatnot, we get to win a tank or whatnot. Yeah. And it just, like, shows how far, like, even how hard it clearly is for him, how far a father will go to uh, protect his son. Yeah um yeah no in fact that's one that actually hits my dad pretty hard because that movie came out not long after uh i was in my my uh one brother was born it's like 96, so my dad
1: is it, i think 90 i think
0: it's 99 99 um but yeah so my dad just had two kids and uh so it really struck a chord with him when he saw it for the first time yeah yeah it's
1: a tough one to watch i i think yeah that the sticking with those characters through everything that happens there. And I think that's kind of like a motif that we're going to get, go go through while we talk about all these movies is that um, you go on the emotional journey with these, with these individuals and these characters, you know, like that, that that's the resonating factor of what makes something so heartfelt and honest and real is that you feel the honesty and you feel the reality of something. Um, John, what do you have? What do you got on your list? Um,
2: I want to start off by saying that um, uh, I'm on the exact opposite end as Liam in that most anything makes me cry. I'm a pretty empathetic empathetic person when it comes to just like feeling things inherently. A lot of the time, I just like oh, it just it just wrenches my gut certain things, and I don't even know why I'm feeling them. Um. I, the, the first time I remember like something moving me to, to make me like almost cry was in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And it's literally when he's just like sitting, he's just sitting in his pajamas at nighttime. And I was like, he has no parents. And I like <laughs> started crying. I thought um, it was like when
1: he's sitting in front of the mirror. And he's just I no, not even
2: gonna... that it was like, he's I... just all alone. And, and like, I just put myself in that position of just like, Oh, I would love to go to a boarding school with magic, but I'd miss my parents so much. And then I was like, Oh, right. is our dad. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> I yeah. thought you were
0: going to talk about when he was uh, laying in the
2: hospital bed and Dumbledore saying,
0: love Harry.
2: "Love Harry, that's also very good. I mean, yeah, that just a solid, solid movie, but the, the first actual movie on my list is um, also in like one of my favorites of all time, which is August rash. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh yeah the end of that movie to this day will just make me like well up it's a really beautiful movie just like fairy tale like and then it's just really happy at the end and yeah it was one of those moments where i mean like i was like i think 12 or eleven, maybe when the movie first came out, and like I was around that age where I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. So I like didn't tell anyone. <clears throat> but yeah, I like I. It just gets me every time.
1: It's it's funny how most of the things that are on my list are inherently like, not inherently. I guess I have two two or three things on here that. Oh uh, no, you know what? I'm looking at my list now and I'm I'm thinking about it and it's it's funny that all of them are so fucking sad but then also lift up themselves at the end and show you that no that like the sadness is not always like going to be there there's going to be very positive things that come out of this like you know trudging through the sand is only a part of walking on the beach right like it's just it's just part of the the nature of what you're you're going through it's part it's part of the the emotion right cuz like another thing i have on the list is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind which i assume you've both seen right
2: um, I watched it a long time ago. Yeah, um yeah.
1: What did? Are you not a fan, or I'm just curious. no?
2: I I mean, like I enjoyed it. I just like I guess like something about it. I, I I think it was one of those movies that I was like, oh, this is a good movie that I should watch, and like I wasn't at the capacity to understand it yet. Fair. Like on an emotional level. Yeah. So, like I liked it, but I need to revisit it. I think it's he, I think you should as very as, as good
1: a movie. Yeah, I think you should revisit it as an adult. 'Cause it, it resonates much differently. Uh, the first time I saw it I was in film I was in film twenty or something like that, at film fifteen, like in, in high school. And I didn't understand. you don't understand love at that point. You don't understand like what it real what's really going on. And then you you watch it as an adult and it fucking punches you so hard in the feelings. There's so many moments in that movie that just make me well and swell like a fucking baby. Like More most specifically, I think Liam knows what I'm going to mention is at the towards the end of the movie when Clementine and I should have mentioned earlier, we're going to spoil a lot of fucking movies. So if you haven't seen them, maybe don't uh, don't listen to this part. Um, But it's toward the end of the movie and and Clementine and Joel are in their house on the beach. Um, It's one of the first places they ever met. And uh, Clementine like looks down at Joel and she like says, why don't you stay this time, and he's like, I don't know. He's like, I I I could, but I'm not going to. And he just like leaves. And she's and you hear her talking, and she's like, Why did you leave? And he's like, I don't know. I guess I was just scared. And like, it's just so fucking beautiful, Liam. You're let you're you smiled. What did you think I was gonna say?
0: That's what I was thinking of. Oh, okay.
1: There's also the moment at the very end when Clementine and Joel are looking at each other, and she says, You know, I'm just a fucked up girl with like no way of blah blah blah, and joel says okay and clementine's like okay and he's like okay and then the movie fucking ends and you're like oh shit they're gonna go through this like all the time eh. and <laughs> that's just the way but it's also very uplifting it's also kind of a beautiful thing um in the same way um yeah i don't know i feel like i'm just gonna ramble about a bunch of shit so i'll um, let somebody else talk one uh,
0: uh, <laughs> uh one i have that would probably that is surprises a lot of people and maybe i'm just showing myself as a fan, but. Uh, the ending to uh, uh, was it the ending to Wrath of Khan?
1: Okay. Where
0: uh, Spock? Yeah. Where um, uh, what is it? Um, I and a lot of that is because uh, uh, well, one, I first saw that movie pretty young because uh, I used to watch uh, the original series with my grandpa on reruns when I would have sick days from school. Um, and uh, being like, I was at eight years old and seeing your favorite character at a time like just sacrifice himself or whatnot. Uh, what is it like, uh, just really hits you hard? Because it's like, I've always said about the next generation character, or not the next generation, the original series characters and a lot of Star Trek casts. Like, I know it sounds really ca- corny and whatnot, but when you're watching them, it feels like you're you're watching your friends. Like these yeah. characters, they don't feel like characters. They feel like they're your friends. Yeah. Um. And just to see one of them, uh, oh, was it sacrifice himself? Because he knows it's for the greater good. Like it, that stuff like that went over my head a little bit, but just seeing Spock, like uh, just- give him uh, was it just give himself up because he knew it was the only conclusion um but also but then as an adult thinking back on it and how it's like uh it's not only the fact that spock died it's the reason that he did die it was for his friends and as he said the needs of a many outweigh the needs of a few and then they have this be- his beautiful funeral where kirk says like out of all the people i've encountered over uh was it throughout all my travels he he was the most human and you have a uh, scotty uh, playing uh the bagpipes as eulogy um, huh.
1: Maybe I should watch just, Wrath of Khan.
0: <laughs> you know and just the fact like that like good. the whole movie was about uh accepting defeat and like uh, the non-winnable situation. And it seems like Kirk's gonna come out on top. Like they just got rid of Khan, but then Spock just goes into the warp core and has to uh I uh, wasn't has to uh, shut it down, knowing he's going to die of radiation poisoning to protect I uh, was it, to protect his friends, mm-hmm. people who he's been with and known for at least in Star Trek continuity, like thirty years. Don't they retcon it though? Um, yeah, and that's actually why. Um, so uh, uh, the third one comes out and like it was good for the mo- It was good for the franchise. It does kind of undermine the ending to Wrath of Khan. Uh, was it? But like, what would uh, was it? Uh, undiscovered country be if Spock wasn't there or whatnot? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. No. In fact, uh, Nick Meyer was so furious about them bringing Spock back that um. Of a writer and director of Rath of Con, but he refused to come back and do a uh, search for Spock. It wasn't well, until uh, the, um, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, Voyage Home, where he was like, Well, I guess Spock's back now. There's nothing I can do about it. So why not just write another one? <laughs> <laughs> he actually started a lot of trouble trying to uh, make sure that Spock would stay dead because he's like, Doesn't this undermine that? Like, yeah, what it does, does yes. yeah, doesn't is does, isn't it unfair to the audience to like treat something as serious as Spock's death as like uh, just something that could be reversed? yeah yeah um but no as in regards to wrath of Khan as a piece to itself it's another one where it's one of my favorite movies and uh i mean i remember i think that's one of the youngest points i can remember like being like at the ripe old age of eight and just crying in a movie and like even my uh i wasn't even like my grandpa was crying at that when we would watch it
1: i just have something in my eye (laughs) you know the, the first time i ever saw my dad cry uh we were watching pay it forward with Haley Joel Osment
0: oh that movie oh, yeah and...
2: oh yeah that movie made me cry and the only scene I've seen is when he gets stabbed at the end it's yep. the only part I watched. that is the I... worst part of that fucking movie it is I get it. but it made,
0: made my dad cry
1: it showed me that he was a man you know it showed me that he was <laughs> a man nice. with emotions and feelings
2: right uh what you got next John um well i've got um paddington and more specifically paddington 2 like makes me cry but i just want to talk about these movies because i think you guys can agree that like paddington is exactly what we need in terms of like a protagonist like we have never talked about
1: paddington on the show
2: i've never seen
0: any of a paddington movies actually
2: oh my god it's just paddington being the nicest fucking little bear you've ever encountered in your life, I keep and he marmalade improves, sandwiches in my hut. <laughs> he just he, he just eats marmalade, and he's just as polite to people. He uses his manners, and he just he he he's just so nice. He just improves everybody, and you get to to the end because he he does like everything for his aunt, who is still in I think Peru or somewhere. I'm not sure wherever the oranges are on the trees where they make all the marmalade and he just wants to like show her london and the city and then uh yeah fuck. yeah <laughs> she gets she gets there at the end of the second one and is really fucking beautiful it like gets me every single time so excuse me um but yeah i literally like weep i weep whenever i watch that it's okay. very beautiful
0: didn't you want, I remember back uh, when the first Paddington came out, didn't you see it like an obligation with your job at the time? I did. And I was
2: much delighted. It's, <laughs> Don't you love when that just, happens? I, I know it was just like pleasantly surprising, especially cause like, yeah, Paddington, I was aware of like the, the icon, like of the bear. I hadn't really like um, properly seen or read any of it, wherever it comes from, but like, yeah, that movie came out of nowhere. The tone is like, just perfect. And if it's I'm all... remembering
0: correctly, it was yeah. a January release, so that's a really big surprise. Yeah. A bonus, yeah. And they're making
1: a third one. Wonderful! I'm so excited. Yeah. Because I've I've actually heard the same thing. I've heard all th- all two of those movies are pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you're really you're not getting you're not getting a bad movie with a bear. <laughs> like speaking of bear movies, Christopher Robin. That is one that I do want to mention because it also gets go. me. It also gets me real hard because there's a few moments. Again, Liam knows exactly what I'm going to mention. There's a moment in that movie where um, Ewan McGregor and Winnie the Pooh are looking through Christopher Robin's window. and there looks kind. Let me fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you ruined it. Fuck off. Liam. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife... Um, played by um, Haley, Atwell, Haley Atwell is there, and uh, Pooh is like, "Who is that?" And Christopher Robin's like, "That's my wife, and that's my wife, or whatever." And Pooh says, "She looks kind," and instead of saying like, "She looks beautiful" or "Oh, she's so pretty." He's like, "She looks very kind," and I'm like, "You fucking bear, <laughs> go you don't home." Hear that enough these days? Yeah, like he doesn't say he doesn't. I mean sexualizer because he's a teddy bear, but like he doesn't like. Do also, the... does
0: Haley Atwell really need it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, that yeah, was she... a very bad it's joke. A very
2: wholesome moment. <laughs> <laughs> she looks kind.
1: Um, and and the rest of the movie is is just kind of like a romp, and it's fine. But there are a couple moments in it that are really like hard, not hard to watch, but just like holy shit, that is such a beautiful friendship. Like those two love each other so much, especially at the very end when Pooh and Christopher Robin are sitting there and it's in just like looking at the sunset and just hanging out as pals again after 30 years. It's very nice. Very beautiful. You know, I was going to
0: say, I still haven't seen uh, Christopher Robin.
1: I think uh, you think it's okay.
0: Mainly just because I really don't like uh, Mark uh, Forster's uh, directing style. Yeah, yeah, that's fair.
1: Uh, another one I have on my my list that's more of just like a feel-good movie, and I've talked about this on the show many times before, and that is Bill and Ted Face the Music, the greatest movie that came out in 2020. Um, Still on that train. I am. I'm on the hype train, specifically for the last eight minutes of the movie. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, because it just came out this year for that one. Other movies I'll spoil, because they're 20 years old. Um, But the ending of Bill and Ted Face the Music is is hands down one of the most uplifting and beautiful things i've seen in such a long time and the only reason it makes me cry is because i'm like there's no possible way anything like this could ever happen it's it's kind of it's a impossible. dose of
0: hope and optimism that you needed in a year filled with uh, awfulness and cynicism that is exactly it
1: yes and it's it's just and then it just kind of ends and you're like left with this sense of hope and i'm like yeah that I needed that and I still need it. And every once in a while I'll put it on because I, I I bought a copy of it and I'll put it on. I'll I'll watch the last 10 minutes of that movie just specifically for that feeling. And also the song fucking slaps. (laughs) Um, So there's that too.
0: uh, I was going to say another one I have is uh, there's this one very specific scene in the sixth sense. It's not the ending, but there is uh, this one very specific scene. Um, it's close to the ending and it is a character res- uh, resolution and that's where uh uh what is it Cole is in the, mo- is in the car with his mom and like they're backed up because of this whole uh because uh, of this big accident and uh Cole says Cole tells her straight up that he knows what happened and and like uh because like I was and like uh he this is where he reveals to his mom that uh she uh I was at that he where he does come clean to his mom and say and tell her that he does in fact us uh, see the dead um and uh she doesn't believe him and she's reacting like the way anybody probably would in a situation like that but then he goes off and saying that uh grandma comes to visit me who uh his mom is estranged with and he tells her this uh really beautiful story about how her how about how he knows something that only his mom knows which is that him her and uh his grandma had a big fight one day when right before she had a ballet recital and uh and she said, I'm not coming to your show. And that struck a chord with their relationship and like, uh, why they never, why, uh, Cole and his grandma never knew each other. And he reveals to her, that it's like grandma did show up and she hit him in the back just watching because she just wanted to see you dance. Oh
1: yeah. And yeah. there's this
0: little scene and there's this little point, like, fuck, I'm getting a little jittery <laughs> talking about it. Um, where he says like, uh, I was at B- I was at grandma had gave me the answer to this one question you always ask her. And the answer is every day. And uh, his mom is like just bursting into tears, and she reveals the question was, Are you proud of me? Oh boy. I think we need to take like, a time out. <laughs> yeah, like everybody says, Time out, time uh, the, out on
1: the Thundercast.
0: <laughs> everybody says the whole I see dead people thing, but just that scene, and a lot of it is also the performances, the way uh, Haley, Joel, Osmond, and uh, Tony Collette really play off each other there. Holy and, like,
1: shit, it is Tony Collette. It's it one is, of her yeah. first movies, and bah. that's the
0: first thing that got her typecast is always playing a mom. She's yeah. very good at it. Yeah.
1: On, the, on, on um, that note, bringing it back to less sad things, have you noticed that Toni Collette is kind of becoming the new Judy Greer? Where she's in everything, but she's like a great character actor, but, but also she's not gets, getting underused? Oh, she's not getting under... Uh, no, over and underused. Which Oh, Judy I see. Greer? Judy Greer is uh, the mom in uh, Jurassic World. Um, she's also in Halloween. She also is one of the apes in Planet of the Apes um Are you doing a quick? Uh, I am
2: going to Google um, if that's yes. That's but no. Right. Uh, that's I uh,
0: was a bad scene. Uh, I uh, was it in the sixth sense. Even like uh, I uh, was it even at like uh, tw- uh, what is it? Uh, twelve years old. I really felt that, and like people always um, whenever people go off and say Shyamalan is a completely terrible writer, he's not good at all, or he's always been bad, or like he's never written like a really well acted and well written or well done scene. I'm like, and I just show him like this one right here like i'm not i see dead people not um the bruce willis is a ghost thing but just that scene well, there that's with, also uh, the cole same scene though it's the same scene you no know, it's uh the the see dead or the lying ice. in bed right right yeah and yeah, then uh, it the, bruce yeah and then the whole bruce willis is a ghost thing comes back uh comes uh, i think the scene right after that right which is a scene that i've talked with some fans of that movie where they say that's one that hits them but for me it's always been uh cole and uh lynn and Macar. Uh,
1: on, on a note that has nothing to do with this episode of the show, well, tying it in because you're talking about the sixth sense, is he is there, like, shots and stuff of him, like, bleeding? Is there, like, blood coming out of his coat throughout the rest of the movie? Because he gets shot, or does he get stabbed or shot? You're no, shot. it's
0: because uh, most of a movie is seen whenever Bruce Willis, it's from his perspective, and dead people only really see what they want to see, oh, okay. and he doesn't realize he's dead, so oh, okay. it is kind of like a contrived thing, but it's like, as uh the man once said shut the fuck up about plot holes nobody cares because
1: i remember him like falling down the stairs and stuff after like he's he realizes he's a ghost and he's like oh no i'm a fucking ghost (laughs) anyway
2: (laughs) Anyway. john yes um the the next thing i'm gonna bring up uh this is from my like it's just fucking sad Um, And it's not a movie. Uh, So, like, minor spoilers for the television show This Is Us. Mm -hmm. For those of you who have not watched it. Uh, Um, Which season? Well, I mean, it's like, it it happens in season two, but... Right, because I've only seen season one. You've only seen season one. So, in season one, like, in, like, the third or fourth episode, episode, it's revealed that Jack, who is the father of these triplets, um, is dead and has been dead for several years. That's
1: um, Um, Mandy Moore's husband?
2: Yes, Milo Ventimiglia, also extremely hot.
0: Well, actually, Vernada um, um, well, uh, triplets. Uh, Randall was uh, adopted.
2: You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's the, the big three is what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sidebar, Milo Ventimiglia as uh, Jack Pearson is who I strive to be as a father, um, minus what I'm about to talk about. So it's revealed that he's been dead for a number of years. In season two, you find out that it was through a house fire. Um and uh, they started, but... what? Sorry, go on. Yeah. Was... Uh, yes. Don't spoil it. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they do a really good job throughout the season. Like leading up to all of these tiny, tiny little things that led to this tragic fire that happened. Like, uh, like the smoke detector not working, and uh, they have like a cooking pot that was really old, and that like. It's flimsy and it doesn't turn off. Just these like tiny little moments um, until, yeah, the end of um, one of the episodes near the end of the season. Um, like, yeah, the thing lights on fire and the whole house goes up and it's like the house that you've watched this family grow up in. And again, very, very well done on on their part in terms of like making us feel like we were a part of it because just they just show the house on fire at the end and uh and john just are you looking alone, are you
1: looking at your girlfriend
2: explaining. yes she <laughs> was there with me when we experienced it <laughs> um so so yeah um it's just the house that's on fire and you see the flames like going upstairs and you don't see anybody and that alone just the water works and then the following episode is all about um s- sorry for these major spoilers i'm gonna get into it um it's like about how uh he just he just rises to the occasion and gets all his kids out one of them isn't there and he actually never sees him again and they had a fight before he died um and then incidentally he wrote a note for his son of just like i'm really proud of you and i really love you which you see burn up in the fire so his son never read it and uh and yeah he saves all his kids he gets them out and then he's like on the rooftop and you think he's died in the fire but then he comes out and then his daughter's like the dog's still in there because she has a dog and um yeah he's pled not to go back in but he does uh to save the dog and he comes back out and it's like what the fuck and then he has like a few more hours with his wife before in the hospital he dies of like a heart attack and and, and lung failure Fred, like, from in, in, yeah. in, in inhaling the fumes
0: and Which happens a lot in uh, house fires
2: mm-hmm. yeah um and uh it's just brilliant the the scene he's he's lying in the hospital bed he seems to be fine Mandy Moore standing there in the door and he says um, uh, like, can you get me a chocolate bar or something? Oh yeah, that was it. She was about to leave and he goes, Hey babe can you give me a chocolate bar? And then like, yeah, that's the last thing he ever says to her. And you think he's going to say like, I love you a lot, but no, he says that. And then he, while she's at the vending machine, he just goes into cardiac arrest and then he dies. And yeah, that fucked me up for literally days. Like I had to go to school and stuff after that. And I was in the middle of class, like trying not to cry about this fictional family that I just watched like fall apart. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, um... I was,
0: well, I mean, I remember even with this is us, John, like, uh, a couple of people had re- had said it was really good and i remember i was talking to you uh, about it one time and you were like yeah you'd hate it and i watched and i watched a uh, first uh i watched my first season i was like damn this isn't my thing at all but like they're really effective at this like because they really tug at hard stri- strings but not in a way that feels cheap yeah which i really appreciate i
1: always thought it was like an abc family kind of show where it wasn't supposed like it wasn't as tragic as it sounds, but the more that I've heard about it and heard about Mandy Moore's performance specifically, uh, mm-hmm. because she like, she plays like not only a, a new wife, but a new mother, a, a widower, uh, and then remarries. And then like,
2: and plays a grandmother as well. Plays yeah. a grandmother, Everybody,
1: all this shit. Like, like I didn't know that's what the show was. I didn't know it shifted around through time so much. Yeah. No, know uh,
0: they intersect back and forth a lot. And like, in fact, the whole cast of that show was great. Like, uh, uh what uh green arrow uh justin hartley's really really good um sterling k brown is great mandy moore's great we love sterling k brown uh
1: on the note of tv series though that that did make us shed a tear or two um it sounds funny but uh one that i do want to uh, give a, a special mention to is uh the walking dead um most specifically i believe from season 3 when they're at the prison uh and uh lori has the baby uh mm-hmm. And oh my god, dude! <laughs> like,
2: I was right there with you. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, but uh, like more specifically, with... when Carl comes out with the baby, and 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 like, yes, it is a meme now where it's like Carl, um, Daddy. but. When you saw that on TV and you saw the anguish in Andrew Lincoln's face and like how he's like, you had to fucking do that by yourself. And but he's also sad that his wife just died, but he knows his son is gonna have to carry this on. But he also has to raise a child in the zombie apocalypse and like all this stuff. And he's like so fucked up and he does the Carl thing, but like that, that when he does it and then he stands up and he's like, fuck me, like I wish I could have been there, I wish I could have done it, and like, ugh just a special special mention there cuz i i I was, I was there for that moment. I didn't watch any more of the walking dead after that. And I was not super into it, but anyway. Um, um I do want to maybe dive into books if you guys are into Um I mean it was my turn, but oh, go ahead, Liam. You can, <laughs> I was gonna you can say, have one more. <laughs>
0: I was going to say this actually is my last one. Um because there's some on here where I was like Christian's probably going to talk about them. Oh. Um like just like her and Harold and Ma. How did
1: you know? How did you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but one that continues to hit me is, um, and even to this day, again, because it was kind of like watching a big part of like my youth, I uh, was somebody who I followed throughout my, a character who I followed throughout my youth and like all of that. And also just what I feel it says in the end is just like the perfect recipe to uh, get Liam emotional. Beethoven? And that's, no, and that's uh, Logan.
1: Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Oh, God damn it.
0: Like, uh, like Christian, I'm sure remembers like, uh, me shedding tears in the theater or whatnot, and like, uh, yeah, and just kind of how moved I, I was after watching it. Pretty sure we were both, again, both crying, Liam. Yeah, you know, like, well, you said you came close, but yeah, um, and again, a big part of it is watching like, uh, so uh, was it one of your favorite characters in fiction from when you were a kid or whatnot, or in the movies, like, just like get old and die and whatnot, or like just two people in that whole franchise that you genuinely cared about, like those being professor x and logan um but i think what it really comes down to in the end is just it kind of reminds me like what i what i look for when i see movies about heroes or heroism which is that like uh, uh was it throughout that movie and for as lucas has said in the past it's unrelentingly miserable like you a lot of it is watching uh logan and professor x just suffered through all these terrible terrible things but at, and at the end like uh, logan's about to fuck off and just leave but then, like, when he realizes what's going on, like, he knows he can't. And it kind of just, uh, it's like. <laughs> I know. Uh, what I think an think episode just, of the
1: Thundercast. Tell me about it.
0: Um, It's mainly just what it says about heroism and, like, all of that. Where it's, like, you can be completely broken, torn apart. Like, the whole world can just completely run you down. The worst possible things can happen to you. And, like, uh, it may seem pointless or whatnot. But it does the whole children of men kind of hope thing. Where it's, like, you know what? Even if like it may not mean too much in the grand scheme of things, in the end, like it's okay to go out and fight the good fight, stand up for what you believe in, and was and protect what you love, and uh, that's the kind of stuff that uh, when I see uh, as it's called the hero's journey or whatnot, that's the kind of stuff that always will win me over, and like just again, just after that movie, I was almost like, I don't want to review movies anymore. (laughs)
1: Like I was like this. This is the movie.
0: Like, I even said to Christian straight up, like, after it was over and I had that experience, I was, like, I don't – and this is something I will never say, like, pretty much any time where I'm, like, I don't want to make any bold statements, but I was, like, I think this could very well become one of my favorite movies. And it since has. Yeah, Yeah, like, you know, just, like – and just the fact that, like, there's that whole scene where, like, uh, Logan's impaled into the tree and, like, uh, he's slowly, like, giving away, starting to fade – and he's just holding his daughter who, uh, like, his heart and saying to her, like, uh, like just, like, the whole don't be what they made you.
1: So this is what it feels oh. like?
0: Yeah, and, like, and even just at the end, like, they ended on that perfect frame of, like, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, and then, like, after uh, Laura and uh, the other uh, ex-kids go off. Like, she comes back, and she flips over, like, the cross, because it's like, Logan wasn't a religious man. It's like, this is his crest. Honestly, And like, Liam,
1: uh, that's the part that got me more, is when she comes back and turns it from a cross to an X. And I knew it was going to happen, and I still was like, God fucking damn it. It's
0: still perfect. Like. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's just like, as VN credits say, like, the man came around. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh. What an episode, boys! What a, what, what an episode of the show. Um, I don't know if I could top that, but I'm gonna talk about Harold and Maude anyway,
0: <laughs> which is a, another movie Chris I watched with Christian because I had never seen it. Yeah,
1: we watched it a couple of years ago, like three years ago or something like that, Liam. And I had seen it, what like about four four years ago. Um, I've, I've seen movie. it a number of times since. Um, I watched it with my ex girlfriend uh, and like she loved it and i was and i was like oh man some movies from the 70s this is gonna be boring and then, <laughs>
0: then i watched the it. film student like yeah. unbelievable <laughs>
1: yeah and then i watched it and i was like oh get your head out of your ass you fucking idiot um, like
0: what we say when it comes to watching avatar but anyhow continue it's not
1: my thing um <laughs> have you not have you seen harold nod
2: john myself no you recommended it to me a while ago and I still haven't.
1: you should watch it i'm gonna try my best to talk about it without spoiling it um so the <laughs> the premise of the movie is that a 21 is he 21 he's 25 he's right. in his
0: early 20s he's yeah. a uh he's a very well off uh he's essentially a kid born into wealth who's just obsessed with death yeah
1: and so he falls in love with a woman named maud uh, Who's like
0: approaching eighty, isn't she?
1: Or uh, yep, yeah, she's she's sixty five, actually. I think uh, right, right, um, right. And he falls. Uh, she might be a little older. I think she might be seventy five. But he falls in love with this old elderly woman, and the entire movie is basically about them like going on romps and talking about what love really is and why we love and what's so important about love. Mm-hmm. Um, the and entire life. time, the yeah, end, life and stuff, and leading up to that, Bud Court plays Harold, and Harold, um. The movie opens with him pretending to hang himself, um, which is, like, the first time you see it, you're like, whoa. And then his mom's, like, walk, just kind of walks past him, (laughs) ignores him, and she's like, dinner's almost ready. And he's like, fine. (laughs) And he's like, because he's hanging, right? And he's just like, okay, fine. Um, But then the rest of the movie is, like, his mom setting him up on these dates, and he intentionally tries to ruin them.
0: Um, Like, by setting himself on fire. like uh... just
1: doing all this shit. But this event happens at the end of the movie um and harold can't do anything about it he can't do anything to stop it and he tries his best and he tries so hard and he can't do anything he can't do anything to fix it and he can't uh whatever and maude has this line uh that oh my
0: god i'm gonna fucking cry right now. don't say uh, it don't say it don't spoil it
1: yeah i I can't. You I don't can say okay. it. Okay. Where she grabs Harold's hand and she just says, just love. Just love Harold. And he's like, go love some more. Go go love some more. And he's like, and I, every time I see that, I've got goosebumps right now. And every time I see that, I'm just like, get fucked. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, oh, you hit me. You hit me right in the feels. And, and mostly just because. Everything leading up to that point. You you know how much love is in this relationship and how much they, they care about each other and how much they 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 love one another. But more so how much how much Harold loves Maud and how much he needed her to show him the way to and just being a loving live. person again and to love
0: and to live. Um because Harold is very and much and a person some more. Is very much a person as well, dealing with his own demons. Yeah. And
1: and it's so glad I'm I'm so glad that this movie was made because it shows you that other people can suffer with you, but maybe their suffering is different than yours, or they their perspective on things is different than what, than what you may see, and how important it is to accept other people's perspectives. And ah, it's just so good. Anyway, um, got one
2: more for us, John. Um, the Great Canadian Baking Show. Um, <laughs> they send home. They send home one person each week and some of these people, man, are so lovely. All they want to do is bake and they get sent home and it's the worst it's the worst part. I have legitimately cried to watching people go home. Is this um, is this
1: unintentionally the saddest and the funniest episode of the Thundercast? I think I think it might be. We got there. I think yeah. I
2: think
0: if we were to just cut it here, it would just end on like a wow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, happy to do that. You guys
1: remember Sallow and or a thousand or a hundred years of Sodom?
0: <laughs> anyway, um... I once cried in an episode of a thousand ways to die. <laughs> Just people oh, dying, man. I've
1: cried at YouTube videos. We're <laughs> fucking all three of us are so emotional. Um, okay. I think, I think uh, I did want to mention a couple books that made me cry, but I'm just going to pass by them just because I don't want to get too much into it. But a book that I do really suggest everybody go read because I think it's a really important thing, especially right now. Um, is a book by Neville shoot uh, and it's called on the beach. Um, and it's about, uh, it's about Australia um, pretty much. Um, But what it's about is uh, Australia is the only place in the world where the bombs from nuclear war have not hit yet. Um, So everywhere else on the planet is just a nuclear wasteland. And the nuclear clouds, like the fallout, is making its way to Australia very, very slowly. And the only people on the planet are the people who live in Australia. And there happens to be an American submarine pilot there and his american submarine and so he gets a bunch of australians and they hop in the submarine and they go around the world to try and find any sign of life and there is nothing there is nothing out there and the book ends because the book is like 60 years old at this point so i can spoil it uh the book ends with the cloud eating up australia and then that's it everybody's dead (laughs) it's so that makes sense so grim (laughs) but it's also like it hits me in like really really hard ways i'm trying to see if i can find it on my shelf um another book too is the sound and the fury by william faulkner because caddy smells like grass um Anyway, uh, so that has been our conversation about
0: crying. I'm sure. Our emotional roller coaster of an episode. Oh, oh boy, tell me about it. I started that. off snide, I got sad. John yeah. started off sad, he got happy. And Christian, well, you just. Christian got sad.
1: Christian got two beers in him. <laughs> so <it can't> happened. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we are going to go for a break, and once we come back from our break, we're going to dive right headfirst into what are we diving into, Liam? Cool wars. Cool wars. That's right. Uh, so we will see you very soon. You
2: I know you guys don't have like rules, but like yeah, we don't have rules. Okay.
1: Our rules are yeah, if no. major cry,
0: it
2: counts
1: yeah my grandma's
0: uh, unless funeral unless it's <laughs> unless it's stuff like uh my father never hugged me
2: that's sad <laughs> yeah um okay well i guess i'll not say that one but the rest are probably good <laughs> Wait, just to be clear your father
0: did ever hug you right
2: yeah
0: and we're back we- welcome to another excellent edition of Cool Wars!
1: Wow, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Liam. We we tried to do that twice, and that was this. This is the best one. This one's going in the show. Um, yes, that Liam is right. We are doing another episode of Cool Wars. Another edition of Cool Wars, I should say. Uh, cool Wars is a game we like to play at the end of every single episode of the Thundercast in which we pit two people from various sources of media against each other in a battle of coolness. Uh, coolness is uh, evaluated on a scale of cool, um, which you can go and sur- uh, Google search cool and find all the definitions of that. Because uh, we are big not going to explain it again. That's right. One big rule is these two are not fighting. Liam, uh, physically, I mean. Uh, Liam, who is today's cool boy?
0: Uh, this one is one that actually includes one of my favorite characters of all time, and uh, it is Daredevil Jesus Christ. Oh. versus Captain America.
1: <laughs> Daredevil versus Captain America. That is right. And um,
0: You got the timer there, ready? Yep. Ten minutes on the clock. And three, two, one. Let's jam. Let's jam. All right. So I am
1: familiar with both. Probably not to the extent that Liam is. That's for sure. I've read a handful of, of Daredevil comics here and there. Pretty much just the essentials. Um, probably
0: like of a mark wade stuff when it was coming out uh
1: no not like that was like marvel now stuff you mean
0: uh no this was like coming out around the same time as like uh uh was it x-men avengers versus x-men oh
1: no i actually wasn't reading a lot of that stuff um i read more of like like mod super modern like marvel now stuff but i meant more so like the essential stuff liam like like you know uh uh, Death of Electra and yeah uh, Frank Miller's uh... saved, and yeah, mostly Frank Miller stuff, to be honest with you um, and then my knowledge of cap is purely m c u based um mm-hmm. so that's that's where I'm coming from. Are we basing this off of m c u um characters? Or are we going
0: full full bore? um, I'd say let's just go off of like where our knowledge comes from that's fair like' cause no. let's like, like movie cap is pretty. For the most part, pretty accurate to the comics. Like, he's kind of an amalgamation of, uh, uh what is it, Ultimate Cap minus the, uh, Mark Millar pseudo edgy shit. Yeah. But has, like, the, uh, sincerity of, uh, like really old school Captain America. And he doesn't look like Liefeld Cap, that's for sure. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So I think
1: for me, uh, the things that make Daredevil cool are, I mean, for one, the man has a disability and he kicks ass like crazy. Um, well, but not only does s- he have a disability, but he kicks ass in multiple ways. Like, he kicks ass as a superhero, but also as
0: a fucking lawyer. <laughs> um, I was going to say that, like, the reason why Daredevil is, uh, what is it, probably next to Batman, my favorite superhero, is because, like, most superheroes have an ability added on to them, like, whether it be, or, like, just have so many other resources or whatnot. Well, Matt Murdock had an ability taken away from him. Mm-hmm. I was, in fact, Frank Miller makes it very clear that Daredevil does not have superpowers. He's trained his other senses to be heightened, but it's not superpowers. Right. Um, and uh, there's also a fact that like Matt Murdock is always dirt poured down on his luck. Um, like uh, he's not always a successful lawyer. Um, and I feel like just with the whole, the whole reason Daredevil always inspired me is because it shows that you could learn to make the most with having a disability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a really empowering and important thing to uh, teach to a lot of people. I would agree. Um, part of why cap's cool is because like, as much as I am a very anti America, fuck yeah thing is that, um, cap kind of represents, uh, probably some of the good, good aspects that are uh, encouraged in American culture, like just being sincere and like, uh, protecting your people and whatnot.
1: Yeah. And not necessarily like, I mean, the patriotism is also a really important part of cap, but it's not like his main, like, I mean, his name is fucking captain America. Um, so it's quite literally a part of his, ma- his identity, but even in, I mean, more specifically in the MCU. Cause like I said earlier, that's my, that's my, um, awareness of cap is that he breaks away from that like quite heavily and very when, quickly.
0: In fact, even when he enlists in the first, uh, in first Avenger, uh, what is it when, uh, uh, Stanley Tushi is saying things to him, like, which I feel like really cemented him. He's like, do you want to go kill some Nazis or whatnot? He's like, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't like bullies. Yeah. yeah um
1: is this gonna cry are we gonna cry again no <laughs> um
0: uh john what are you thinking
2: um i uh i kind i agree with you both i don't know how much more i can add to the argument um i wouldn't i don't know if i find captain america necessarily cool like
1: well,
0: I remember you were Team Iron Man when Civil War was coming out. Yeah. Indeed. You're a fascist,
1: um, John.
2: <laughs> oh, is that what that means? Shit. No, both
0: of the, both of them in that movie and in the comic book have very poorly constructed arguments.
2: Yeah, yeah. Cool. If Daredevil was involved in Civil War, I would probably just choose whatever team he's on. That's most of the reason why I was on Team Iron Man was because Spider-Man was on the team. And <laughs> I, I like, think Daredevil is really cool. I've also read like some daredevil comics and like have read nothing about Captain America. Yeah, have um, you seen the show? Same.
1: Have you seen the show though? I thought you watched the Car- Charlie Cox show.
2: Oh, I did watch the Star- Charlie Cox show, absolutely. That's the that's the main thing I know um about it. And uh and yeah, he's really cool in that. Um I think <laughs> one
0: thing Daredevil has over um Cap is that Cap only has one really well-regarded run in comics, which is Ed Brubaker's for over the 2000s yeah. and that's where they introduced like Winter Soldier and all of that. Um. Well, Daredevil has two insanely well-regarded versions but Frank Miller one from the eighties, and Ben Bear's, uh Bendis' Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it from the two thousands? Which is my personal favorite run on comics of all time.
1: I feel yeah. like this is a this is a Liam Cool Wars, and that's totally cool because you're making very fucking valid points. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, like I was I was getting at with like I mean, the thing is for me they're both fucking cool. <laughs> um, it, it's it's funny though that Daredevil continues to kind of go down like the grim dark um, alley because <laughs> he fights in alleys a lot. Um, but it's he's kind of continuing to go down that like grim dark path while Cap is always going up in the in in terms of being like a like a idealistic um, personal like you know like idolized even when and... it's
0: even when it's like espionage stuff. There's always like a uh, hopeful stuff or whatnot the exactly. more light things.
1: Yeah. Um. Having said that, though, for my personal sensibilities, I think one definitely outweighs the other um, in terms of what I think is cool. Um, But, yeah, I think I
0: have mine. Um, I was going to say one more thing with Daredevil, which is that uh, one thing he has is that uh, over a lot of superheroes, I'd argue. Like, let's compare uh, Daredevil to uh, somebody like Spider-Man where uh, when you do a Peter Parker story or whatnot, they're always pretty mundane and boring. Well, with Matt Murdock, they're always usually, there's always a lot more, like, intrigue or whatnot, and, like, you have a multifaceted faceted character where, like, you could have a Daredevil story where it's not, the where Daredevil's barely in, and it's just Matt Murdock in a court case, and it's still super engaging. Well, once you do, like, oh, Peter Parker is uh, in high school or whatnot, most of the time it's not very interesting. I or even like, say. uh, just Bruce Wayne going to social gatherings or whatnot. Yeah. Like there's that cool, there's that really cool element of like, uh, of like the dual identity is just as involved as the superhero identity. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And that's, yeah, I think that's why, uh, I'm showing myself as a bit of a daredevil fanboy. but
1: Hey Liam, remember that time you dressed as daredevil for Halloween?
0: <laughs> yep. And, uh, my good I'm not buddy, go- uh... I'm not going deeper into that story. Yep. And, uh, my buddy dressed up as the punisher. Yeah.
1: There's a lot cool. more to that story which many of you know which you will never hear on this podcast. Anyway, I th- think you can end the timer there. All right. Okay. And it stopped. On the count. How much time did we have left? 2 minutes. Okay. That's yeah, usually we clock it around like 8 to 9 minutes for cool wars. I think that's fair. Um having said that, on the count of 3, we are going to say who we like more or who we think is cooler. Not who we like more, but who we think is cooler. Ready? 3. Great. 2 two one, one. Daredevil. 100% is daredevil
2: he's so much cooler i agree <laughs> yeah
1: i don't really think there was much of a competition there i think i think daredevil pulled ahead definitely in the first quarter and then like uh cap definitely had a second quarter hit there and then uh, the quarterback came in and
0: <laughs> i mean Lu- if lucas were here he would have fought me hard on uh cap i think so i think so oh
2: sorry lucas lucas
0: that's what <laughs> happens
1: you when you don't come to the show <laughs> oh
0: also uh one last thing I, I will say about daredevil is that uh i guess this is another recommendation <laughs> and that's um i was bad. the first season of daredevil i'd argue is probably the best piece of suit of visual superhero media that's ever been made okay like i honestly think it's that damn good
1: have you ever seen hudson hawk no <laughs> just kidding that's a bruce willis movie from the 80s um anyway Uh, Are you guys ready for the outro? I'm ready to do this. You guys are ready to do this. I'm going to do it. Ready? Uh, Thank you for listening to this episode of The Thundercast. Um, If you like what you heard, be sure to follow us on uh, social media by going up and looking up on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, Thunder Lizard Collective. And on Twitter, we are OG. You can find us on Patreon by going to patreon.com thunderlizard. On that note, I would like to thank our patrons. So I would like to thank Kate, Tanya, Scott, and Manos. So thank you very much for everything you do for us and listening to uh, the various things that we have ahead of time. So uh, a couple of things that you get with the Patreon is you get to listen to the, the uh, episodes of the Thundercast ahead of time. So if you wanted to hear all of our stuff about crying and whatnot a day early or a day or two early, this would be the place to do it. So patreon.com slash thunderlizard. Um, If you liked what you heard, be sure to tell a friend, share us on social media, follow us on Spotify, give us five stars on iTunes, and do the equivalent on any other streaming platform. Uh, We also have another show called Thunder and Dragons, hosted by uh, our friend Lucas. He is the Thunder Master. You can find this podcast on all streaming platforms. Um, it also stars Liam, myself, and our friend Dan and as we romp through a uh, D&D adventure of Lucas's creation. This has been the Thunder... Oh, what were you going to say?
0: I was going to say the, uh, was it was the misadventures of three, of four white dudes making <laughs> shit up. That's right. I wish we
1: changed that by now, but we haven't. This has been the Thundercast for this week. My name is Christian.
2: My name is Hi. Liam. And my name is john <laughs> and i'm really sorry thanks damn it john <laughs> so drill this, this
0: uh the podcast is not about knocking jason kenny's teeth out this podcast is not about knocking his teeth out
1: <laughs> thanks for giving me that soundbite liam God. i'm recording <laughs> <laughs> can i put that in the show
0: no